Well, hey, how's your summertime going so far? Everybody doing okay? Amen. Just, just ask your neighbor right now. Say, you doing all right this morning? Tell them you sing good. You smell delicious. It's awesome. Isn't it good? It's good to be here. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for allowing us to have a week off. Just a, a programming note, I'm actually going to take the next four weeks off. It's good. It's good. I, uh, I'm going to be gone the next four weeks, but you guys are in great hands. Pastor Kyle Kelly, Pastor Chase Courtney, Pastor Robert Chesser are going to be uh, filling in for me over the next four weeks. Pastor Danny Phillips, he did all right last Sunday. How about that? Was that not awesome? So, guys, listen, we are blessed beyond measure with a great team. I'm going to be in Colorado for a month. And um, uh, I'm speaking at a, at a camp there for, for two weeks. Our student ministry will be coming up. Parents, if you have a student grade 6 through 12, and, uh, and they're just getting on your nerves, you just need a demon cast out or something like that, we have exactly what they need, don't we, Pastor Chase? It's called Ascend. And I'll be uh, up there with our students speaking there once. I think they just give me one session. I think it's like at... 2.30 in the morning, you know, just for the uber spiritual people like my wife and I be together. But uh, it's going to be great. And, uh, just a, but we're, we're excited about this summer. And, and I hope that as you saw in the uh, video announcement that you're taking advantage of our, of our discipleship studies last week. How many of you just a round of applause made it to one of our discipleship studies last week? Huh? How many of you thought it was worth it? Awesome. It's good. It's about the same number. Seven. Okay, that's good. Um, that's great. So, so you, can, you, can still, you can still join us tonight, and uh, we hope that you guys will be here at 6 o'clock and jump into one of our studies. We start a new series tonight, or today, called Head on a Swivel. Head on a Swivel. You know, growing up in sports, I oftentimes heard my coaches yell that phrase at me time and time again. Brown, you need to keep your head on a swivel. How many of you are familiar with that phrase, keep your head on a swivel. Now, when my coaches were yelling that at me, which was pretty frequent, what they were saying is you need to keep your eyes open. You need to constantly be surveying the field. You need to be taking note of what is happening all around you. You need to know where, where our players are located. You also need to know where, where the opposing team is. You, you need to know where the ball is on the field at all times. Keep your head on a swivel, a swivel. Uh, it was a big thing for us, and constantly being able to assess and know what was always happening around us. So a lot of you guys are familiar with that. Th th this phrase was even popular with our Air Force pilots during World War II, as their commanding officers would re remind those men, hey men, when you're up there, you need to keep your head on a swivel, there is an enemy that is after your tail, and you need to know where they're at. You need to know where you're at. You just need to be able to assess and know what is happening all around you. Keep your head on a swivel. Now, the opposite of someone keeping their head on a swivel is something called tunnel vision. You see, tunnel vision means that I am locked and loaded. I am focused on one thing and I'm oblivious. It's, it's much like those Budweiser Clydesdale horses that the, they have those blinders on their, their, their heads and, and they are focused on just what's ahead of them and not noticing little kids with balloons and cotton candy on parade routes. I mean, they're just focused 
The opposite of someone who's observing and looking for things all around them is, is, is that person who, who's just locked in in their tunnel vision. They only see what is directly in front of them, oblivious oftentimes to what is happening all around them. There have been many times in my life in which I have operated under tunnel vision. One that I'll never forget. In fact, I, th- I still think I'm suffering some of the effects of this. I-, I-, I think that's probably the reason why I am the way I am. You ever been knocked silly? Anybody just, just, been, just been knocked silly? You've been hit? You, you, you had, it, it happened to me my junior year in high school. Football playoff game. Area um, uh, playoff game. Foutsfield, University of North Texas. Anybody from... North Texas, the mean green of UNT. Used to be North Texas State, right? Um, but but uh, we were playing the Springtown Porcupines. <laughs> Don't we have some incredible mascots in the state of Texas? The Lady Mules. Ladies, I apologize. That, I was told that that was rude to call a girl a mule. That is not a way to score points. The unicorns, what the heck is, who was, a board member was a little inebriated, I think, when they created, anybody from New Braunfels High School? The unicorns, you really don't have a mascot because they're not real. (laughs) We were playing the Springtown Porcupines, I was quarterback, it was right before halftime, we're trying to drive and get some points on the board, we're getting it handed to us. And I'll never forget, I was locked and loaded on a receiver. I'm looking this direction. And out of nowhere, from my backside, I'm tunnel vision. And, 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 and I'm tell, I, I got hit by a Mack truck that night on the football field that just kind of jarred me, separated a few ribs, I think. And definitely, as you know, caused probably some brain damage uh, as well. And the ball goes flying. But I was locked in not knowing what was happening around me. Now, now, of course, I, I didn't, it wasn't my fault immediately in the locker room. It was that lineman's fault that let him through, right? It's his fault. Tunnel vision. Tunnel vision can jack you up. It, it, can, mess you, it can mess you up in your personal life. And some of us are like that. What do I mean when I say some of us operate with tunnel vision in life? You know, you, you've got your routine. You, you, you've got your program. You've got your certain group of friends, or you, you drive the same traffic pattern every day to work, and your morning routine looks the same. And I've even worked with a guy on a church staff that ate the same thing for lunch every day sliced turkey breast and green beans every day for lunch. Now, I'm, I'm all for turkey breast and green beans, but every day, that's, that's weird. That is just, it's just weird. Some of us are like that though, aren't we? We operate in life in tunnel vision. We know where we're going. We've got to get here. There are deadlines to meet, demands, and, and this is what this is all our life is. We're going to stay in our lane and nothing else. Everything else is just oblivious. It can happen in the church too. You know that, right? We see it time and time again where the church becomes more focused on, on their programs. And, and, and that is all that matters. And, 
and, and, and we just, we've got to get from this to that, and oh, shoot, and now I've got a fishing trip, and camp in the city's coming, and, and uh, there's Sunday morning, and, and, and I've got discipleship studies tonight that I'm going to come be a part of. And if we're not careful, we can become so tunnel vision, even in this thing called the church, the bride of Christ. Just so focused on, on the next thing, what's next in front of us, what we have to take care of, and what's next on our agenda, and, and we can lose sight of, of what's happening all around us. And you know that happens in the church. I think that's why so many churches today close their doors, because they become tunnel visioned. The community in which they're living in is changing and, 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 and morphing, and, and, and it's so organic around it, but the church stays the same. You know, the, 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 the dying words, the, the, the last words of a dying church are, we've never done it that way before. And so many churches stay locked in their focus, their tunnel vision. Tunnel vision, if we're not careful, can jack us up, can't it? We're launching out on a series today called Head on a Swivel. And for the next nine weeks, we're going to be challenging you and giving you some examples through, through Scripture that we find in, in which... People were observant and noticing things around them. And as opportunities came for them to, to show the love of Christ and to be Jesus in a certain situation, they responded. They were observant. And they welcomed the opportunity. Church, you know that we're to represent Jesus in our world, right? We're not called just to, to build buildings and offer a bunch of programs and, 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 and just sit and soak on a Sunday. We are called to take what happens in here. This is just kind of your, this is your pep rally. This is your talk. This is us kind of putting some ammunition in your guns. And by the way, I know that there were a lot of targets thrown yesterday. I don't know how many were hit, though. There are a lot that are out there. This is not just for you to come and, and, and spend an hour and 15 minutes and, and, and just see some folks. that may Listen, there is a purpose behind this. It is to equip you, to prepare you, to launch you in our community. We leave here today going to represent Christ in our culture. The things that we talk about and the things that we instruct and, and prepare you with through our discipleship studies on Sunday nights are, are meant to help you go represent Christ in, in, in our community. Are we okay with that? And if you look at Jesus and if you know anything about him, you know that one of his defining qualities was this thing called love. He loved People. In fact, if you're here today and if you're kind of just a, a guest of ours today, thank you for coming. We're honored that you're here and, and I'd love to shake your hand after our worship experience today and, and give you a, a, a nice gift. Are the cars parked out front? Are they ready? The, the, the keys are in them? Okay, great. We'd love to, to be able to gift you today. with something. But, but one of the things that you, you need to know about who we worship here at 1910, this Jesus and this great God in heaven. Listen, he, he, he loves people and, and, and we love as well. And, and, and you need to know that if you're new to this thing, you're just kind of kind of you're you're a skeptic of this thing called faith and what is Christianity all about. Listen, I hope that before you doze off for the next 20 minutes, please hear this. Jesus loves people and he loves you. That's what he did for those three years while he was a part of his father's ministry. Time and time again, he was demonstrating love and showing love wherever he went. Love. Because our leader was that, 
That is the same desire and prayer that we have for those that occupy this house here at 1910. You see, love is to be our priority. And love is to be our pursuit. How would you define love? Have you ever thought about that? There are so many different definitions in our culture today. I think that word love is probably one of the most misunderstood word in our English vocabulary. I think it's also one of the most abused words in, in, in our language. Sometimes we, 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 we just have a completely wrong definition of love. You know, real love is not just good feelings towards someone or, or, or something. It, it isn't just the love that we feel for things or the, 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 the love that we have for food. I love me some good food. Anybody else love food? My, my, yeah, they clapped. Clap for that. They clapped for food, but they didn't clap when they said Jesus loves. They just like food. Yeah, that's all right. My girls are in New York City right now, and they've been planning their trip. And you know how we plan our trips to New York? So we plan them based on where's the food located and where we want to eat for the day, right? Some people have this love for places, whether you've got a special place that you like to go to, kind of that Calgon moment, take me away. You know, there's somewhere. We love things, and if we're not careful, we can love things and love people, and, and we really don't understand what I believe is the true meaning of the word love. How many times have, has someone told you they loved you, but then immediately or not long after, they're, 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 you begin to question and wonder that? You know why? Because there's no demonstration of that or there's no action behind those words, right? You see, true love is action. And true love requires courage and vulnerability. In fact, true love is, is one that gives more than it, 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 it takes, you know, if you try to love people out of, out of your feelings for them, it, it's going to result in some inconsistencies, isn't it? B- because feelings change. People, people often do things to, to offend you. Anybody ever been offended by people, right? And, 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 and when we love out of just our feelings, sometimes you're not going to feel it. You're not going to feel it. Some, you married couples, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you just don't feel lovey, right? And you just not if you if your love is based on your feelings, it's it's it can cause trouble. But but when your love is not about feelings, and when love is is coming from a heart where where there's action, it's a mindset. I'm listening. That that's a truer picture of what real love is. And, and love is about giving. It's it's not about what I'm receiving. It's about what I'm giving. And I'm praying that we would learn in this house to selflessly love well. Our example, of course, is Jesus. And when you read about how he lived his life on here on earth, you're going to read his story through through what we call pretty much the Gospels. The first four books of of the New Testament are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And and, and four accounts of of who Jesus was and and how he lived his life. And and what you're going to find when you read about Jesus, you're going to find that he was clearly showing us what love is. You're going to see how he demonstrated love in every situation that took place. You're going to find even through the words that he spoke. Jesus was so, 
so good. I mean, even when he, he, he was reprimanding or, or, or calling out people, he just seemed to do it through a heart and a spirit of love, right? You, you, when you read about him, you're, you're going to find that as he walked and as, he, as he, he went about his daily living, there was a purpose behind it all. He was purposeful in the way that he interacted with people. He was purposeful in the way that he loved others. The Gospels are loaded with story after story of Jesus demonstrating love to others. And so today, here's what I thought we would do. I want to read all four of the Gospels to you this morning. And this afternoon, and it'll take us into about discipleship time tonight at 6, okay? So we're just here. I hope you got a muffin before you came in because we're good for seven hours. I'm not going to read them all because I know that, that you're going to be hungry for it, and you're going to go home this week and spend some time with it. But, but I thought it would be great if we could look in the book of Matthew, the first gospel. And, and, and particularly, I want to look at a couple of chapters, chapters 8 and 9. In Matthew today and just kind of look and see how Jesus operated and how he loved and, and how he kept his head on a swivel. The first few chapters kind of basically talk about his birth and, and, and who he was growing up. It talks about uh, uh, in chapters 5 through 7 you're going to read about the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. See, you guys get torqued off if I go past 35 minutes. Man, talk about three chapters. In fact, I think those people got hungry while he was preaching and something kind of cool happened, right? Um, but in chapters 8 and 9, I, I want to camp out, just kind of give you the Cliff Notes version of what's happening there. How many of you love Cliff Notes? How many of you, that's how you survive college and high school, Cliff Notes? You, you're lazy. I like you kind of people. And uh, yeah, that kind of, I'm so thankful for Cliff and, and all the reading he did on our behalf and the notes that he put down for us, right, in, in, in helping us out. But I want to read just kind of some key highlights and share with you some things happening in chapters 8 and 9, and you're going to see Jesus' love in action. If you have your Bibles, look there with me and just kind of follow along. And, and I want us to notice these, these different situations in which he encounters and, and how he, he definitely operated with his head on his wheel. Chapter 8 opens with, with Jesus encountering a, a man with leprosy. And leprosy was this nasty, ravaging skin disease where your skin literally would fall off. And these lepers were outcasts in their community. And, and they would have to walk around yelling, unclean, unclean, unclean. Kind of like some of you moms when your kid comes in from outside, you know, like you, you're Nasty and, and these lepers and in and, 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 and chapter eight here it starts with Jesus encountering this man that has this horrible disease. The man comes to Jesus in verse two and he says, Lord, if you're willing, can you heal me and make me clean? And verse three says that Jesus reached out his hand and he touched him. Jesus said, I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. From there, the very next few verses talk about Jesus encountering a Roman officer that has a, a paralyzed servant. Lord, I, my, my servant is paralyzed. Could, could you just speak the words? You, you, you don't even need to come to my home. Jesus didn't even walk into that man's house. But he healed that man on the spot based on the faith we read in Scripture of that officer. It goes on really next to the next section of Jesus making his way to Peter's home. And upon walking into Peter's home, he finds Peter's mother-in-law sick with the fever. 
And Jesus takes her hand, and Scripture says that the fever leaves. And I, 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 I love this next part. The lady's just, I mean, it's a dramatic healing. She gets up and cooks a meal for Jesus. Amen? That's what I'm talking about. Have dinner together. This woman who was sick and afflicted after dinner, they had no sooner finished the creme brulee or the port wine, I don't know, whatever they were having back in the day. But but we read immediately that there were several demon-possessed people that are brought to Jesus. I mean, think about that. Think about it today as, as you're finishing your, your meal or your lunch and, 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 you've just, and, and all of a sudden there's some demon-possessed people brought before you. Now, you may feel like that someone you encounter today is demon-possessed, right? But Jesus is ministering and he's serving. He's just finished dinner and it says scripture. There's more people are, are being brought to him. And 8.16 says he cast out those evil spirits with a simple command. He's tired, I'm sure, at this point because Scripture says that after a cruise to the other side of the lake, maybe trying to get away from people, maybe just trying to catch his breath for a moment. I kind of like that. Jesus kind of had to have one of those moments. You basketball players know where you just put your fist up. That means, Coach, get me out of the game. I need a breather, right? I'm so thankful that we find that our Lord and Savior modeled getting away and retreating from time to time. Some of us probably learned just from that today. You need to take a break, dads. You need to get away sometimes. And rest and catch your breath. But of course we know that he's Jesus. And as soon as he gets to the other side of the lake, Matthew continues to tell us what's happening. There there are yet two more demon-possessed men that are there. What is up with all the demon-possessed people? Wow. These men's desire, says in Scripture, is to be set free. The demon's desire is for them to be cast into a nearby herd of pigs. And so Jesus obliges in chapter 8, verse 32, says, All right, go. And so the demons came out of the men and entered the pigs. It's interesting to me that this is the first ever recording of deviled ham in history. I've been gone all week. There's more. You wait for a month when I come back. Are you beginning, though, to see something here in chapter 8? You're you're, you're seeing something about Jesus, him being aware of the needs around him. You're, You're seeing him looking for those opportunities in which to show love. Some of those opportunities came and found him, but he's looking for opportunities to show love. Chapter 9 kind of begins much the same way. We read about Jesus healing a a paralyzed man. You skip down to verse 18, and and it says that Jesus is on his way to a home where where a man's daughter is lying dead. And as Jesus is making his way towards this man's home to to go see and, and, and bring healing and life to this daughter, Scripture says that there's something interesting that happens that day. There was a woman that was near Jesus that had been suffering an ailment for 12 years. And it says in verse 20 that she came up behind him and she touched the fringe of his robe for she thought, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And I want to stop right there today because there may be someone in this room this morning and you feel like there's just no way that you can be healed of whatever it is that is ailing you. Something physically potentially, maybe there's some emotional damage. Maybe there's a spiritual battle that's being raised, and you just don't feel like you will ever be healed. This woman had been 12 years living that way, but she just thought, if I could just touch the fringe of his robe. Can I just tell you something today? Jesus is enough. 
And if you're battling something today and you've not been able to, to, to break through it because of you, there's not a book that's helped you or, 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 or a regiment of, 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 of counseling or whatever, or, or if you just your friends haven't been, I'm just telling you, Jesus can do it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in this house? Jesus is enough. And if I can just touch his robe, she says, I will be healed. Jesus turned around. Now keep in mind, he's on his way to somebody else's house. There is a young girl that is lying dead. That's his mission. That's where he's headed. But somebody tugs the robe. It says that Jesus stopped. And when he saw her face, he said, daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. He finally arrives from that moment. He finally does arrive where the young girl was laid to be dead. They've broken out in a funeral there because she's dead. And Jesus tells those that are gathered around, hey, this, this girl's not dead. She's, she's only sleeping. And, of course, he performs a miracle in bringing her back to life. He's no longer leaving that house. He's walking to somewhere. And, and, and Scripture says that then there are two blind men that begin to follow Jesus. They're, they're pleading for him to restore their sight. And what does he do? He, does he say, guys, I'm tired. It's been a long couple of days. Or, hey, it's not Sunday. Healing only happens on Sunday. That's what got him in trouble sometimes because he actually did great things on the Sabbath, right? No. He heals them. After that, there's yet another demon-possessed man that crosses his path. Once again, Jesus heals. Are you beginning to see something in Jesus? His head was always on a swivel. And as opportunities came his way, church, listen, he responded. He met those needs. I'm sure he was tired. I'm sure he was hungry. I'm sure it was past his bedtime sometimes. But yet we find our Savior. Oh, loving people. And helping them in their time of need. I love verses 35 through 36 of chapter 9. These, these two verses sum up, I believe, Jesus' attitude and his actions. Look what it says. Jesus traveled through all the towns and the villages of that area. How many towns and villages? All of them. It wasn't just a select few. It wasn't only those that he liked. It wasn't only those that he was welcomed. And he taught in their synagogues. And he was announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And then look at this next one. When he saw the crowds, he had what? What did he have? Don't be embarrassed to say it. He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It says that he went everywhere. He taught everywhere. He healed everywhere. And he had compassion. You know that word compassion, it's, it's a noun. And it means sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or the misfortunes of others. Are you a compassionate person? Does this describe you? Hey, 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 men, 
Are, are you compassionate? I know that we're, 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 we're to be men that just blow things up, right? And shoot things and build things and, and, and what have you. Men, men, are you compassionate? When you see somebody in distress or when there's somebody that's suffering or, or somebody that's suffered a great miss, is there compassion in you? Is there anything that wells up within you that says, you know what, I want to help this person or I want to make a difference in this situation? You see, that's what Jesus did. That's what Scripture says in verse 36 of Matthew 9. He had compassion on people. Church, if there's anything that I would love for us to be known for, it's is not the, the, the great music that we have, and we hear that a lot. It, it's not for the, the great preaching, and we never hear that. It's not for the cool building or the great camp in the city programs that we offer. Our kids are going to ascend. You know that 6th through 12th graders are going to have an opportunity to go to Colorado. Parents, you, you need to sign them up. Do you like how I did that? It's good. If there's anything that I would love for this church to be known for is that this is a church that loves people and is compassionate. Why would I say that? Well, let me just remind you what we read in Matthews 8 and 9 about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He is our model. We take our lead from Him. And if we want to be the bride of Christ that brings great delight to him and a smile to his face, listen, that means that we're going to operate and live as Jesus lived. And so here's the deal. For the next nine Sundays, you're going to be getting encouragement each and every week to be looking for ways to show God's love. And I just wanted to let you know something. This is going to require of you as it did with Jesus here in these two chapters that we look, you have got to keep your head on a You have got to be on the lookout and be ready to respond as you see these opportunities come your way. And they will come your way. You may have already had some opportunities placed before you even this day. Opportunity for you to show love and compassion to someone Let me just remind you what I said earlier about God's love. It's a love that doesn't take, but it's a love that simply gives. I'm sure Jesus was worn out at some point in chapters 8 and 9 of Matthew. But yet he kept serving. The love that Jesus demonstrated, it it wasn't self-made or or manufactured. It it was something that just overflowed from his soul. Church, can I tell you, true love is a joy. Demonstrating compassion is, is not a burden. It ought to be a joy for us. I love this verse in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. I think it's it 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 puts this point in perfect perspective. It says, We know how much God loves us. Does any do, do you know how much God loves you? I mean, do you really understand? And I think sometimes we don't understand the, the vastness of it. But most of us have a pretty good understanding. I'm telling you, Scripture says there's no greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friend. Listen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Are you, do you have some sort of understanding of how much God loves you? He woke you up today. You know that, right? It wasn't your alarm clock or your Keurig going on. It was God woke you up giving you an opportunity 
Man, God has given you another opportunity today to love your family and lead well. God loves you. And we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. You see, the key to us loving, the key to us responding to opportunities around us with our head on a swivel is going to be abiding in God. And when we abide in him, we will always be, as it says there in 1 John 4, 16, in his love. And we will have the ability to love at all times, in all circumstances, and check this out, all people. I know what you're thinking. Mm, You don't know some of my people. I know, but I have some of those people too. And whenever I simply try to operate and disperse my love out of my own flesh or my own want to or desire, I'm telling you, I don't do so well. And it's in those moments that I have to remind myself that Christ lives in me. And I am to give him complete freedom and dominion and authority in my life. And those times in which I don't feel it, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit does a work in me and does it for me. My love is not based on, because sometimes I just get tired and I'm lazy and I want to kick my feet up and just watch me some College World Series. But I'm telling you, it's in those moments that the Holy Spirit of God says, but there's something that I want to do through you in this moment. There's this opportunity coming your way. See, in order for us to love and be compassionate, as we read about in Matthew 9, 36, in the life of Jesus, listen, we must allow the Holy Spirit to do supernatural work in our lives. Amen? I want to remind you that love requires action. And service and love are going to require complete surrender of our time. It's going to require energy and attitude. It's going to require a lot of effort. Now listen, certainly this can definitely take the form and in, in shape of, of, of one week of your life, much like our missions team. By the way, they're back from, from Guatemala, and they've done a great job. To God be the glory. Amen. Much like them and saying yes and going for a week and serving in a culture and a group of people. Listen, those are great. And some of you may have a lifelong missions call on your life. But listen, service and love can also be demonstrated to others in the simple, everyday ways of life. You know that, right? Engaging a neighbor in conversation. Um, Talking to to someone that's standing behind you in line at Starbucks or H-E-B. In fact, here's a really cool thing that we have for you this summer. Today, as you leave, I want to encourage you to to pick one of these these cards out. Do not walk past one of these cards today. If you walk past and not grab one, heaven might be in jeopardy. I'm just telling you for you, you you, you better get, I'm just kidding, that's a joke. That's a joke. But listen, this is a big deal. What we've done this summer is we've kind of put some ideas for you this summer in which you can demonstrate and show God's love to people. Mowing someone's lawn, buying a snow cone or a cup of coffee. Hey, writing some kind notes of encouragement. When's the last time you wrote a letter? Wrote, not type. Wrote. And I know that it's going to look like hieroglyphics for a lot of you because it's been such a long time. 
maybe babysitting, maybe, maybe uh, um, ooh, I love this, passing out cold bottles of water to our city workers that are out and about. So with some incredible opportunities for you to show God's love this summer in the simple, everyday comings and goings of life. In fact, here's a cool thing. This is something that you can do wherever you go. I'm, I'm going to be in Colorado, and guess what I'm going to be doing? Well, I'm going to be cool for one thing while you're sweating. No, I'm just, that's wrong. I shouldn't have said that. Listen, I'll get lonely, and if you want to come visit, just come. But you know what? I can do this even while I'm there. Wherever your travels take you, whether that be to South Padre or whether that be to Alaska or whether that be to Bergheim, you have an opportunity to show God's love. In fact, here's the cool thing that we're going to do. We, we want to keep tabs of, of how God is using you this summer. We, we, we set up this hashtag, head on a swivel, and, and what we're going to do is, is, is ask you, as, as you have these moments, we, we, we want to ask you just to say, uh, is, my, is my model backstage? You, that, that's your cue, bro. We practice this. Come on, right here. We want to encourage you just to kind of capture the moment and say, Lynn, I've, I've shown God's love, and I want to hashtag it head on a swivel. and Just kind of tell us what. Okay, that's. I just vomited inside my mouth, but that's all. Um, but we want to give you an opportunity just to keep this mo- movement going. And, 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 and just to, to show that, hey, listen, I, I'm away, but yet, thank you, Pastor Chach, uh, but yet I'm still showing and looking for ways to demonstrate God's love to others. Why are we doing this? Listen, every person matters. And every person has a story. And as God's representatives here on earth, we We have a missional obligation to care for people. You know that, right? You're not loving people and doing it because I've said so today. No, no. We're doing it because that is the mandate that our our Savior has given us. And he, He demonstrated it for us as I just read about in Scripture. Church, listen. We have a missional obligation to care for people. To show compassion to others. And so I'm praying that we would keep our head on a swivel, that we would be looking for ways to show God's love. Listen, God wants to work through you. And he's going to give you those opportunities. Let's not miss them, okay? Let's not miss those moments. So I just want to pray a prayer over you right now because we're going to leave here and we're going to go put this into practice. We're going to show God's love. So, Lord, I just want to pray right now in advance for all the great things that you're going to do this summer through our people, your people, your children, the blood-bought, the redeemed, the church. Lord, those that have been the recipient of your great love, you're going to send us out now. And, God, you're going to send us into a mission field. It may not be Tecpan, Guatemala, but it may be Latigo Lane or English Oaks or Ranger Creek, or Village Green, or Fair Oaks Ranch. It may be (coughs) Bandera, or Kerrville, or Comfort. Lord, you're about to send us out. Let us keep our head on a swivel, looking for ways to show your love. And Father, I just want to give you glory in advance for the ways that people are going to see Jesus through our love and compassion. Lord, they may not listen to our words, but Father, they're going to see you as we selflessly serve. 
To you be the glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Can we just celebrate the Lord this morning and thank him? Thank you, Lord. I'm going to close our service today by giving you an opportunity to just be ministered to. One of my most special times each week is when our prayer ministry team, as they come and stand before us right now, is they're coming today and be ready to receive you and to pray with you. I know in a room this size with this many people that there are people here that are hurting and you've got some stuff you're dealing with. Listen, our prayer ministry team are standing down front right now to encourage you and pray with you over anything that you may be dealing with. The great thing about this thing called the church is that you don't have to face it alone. That we've got others that are coming alongside of us to encourage us along the way. So we want to encourage you today as you stand with me. We want to encourage you to come. And and if we can pray with you and encourage you in any form or fashion, we would be honored to do so. Robert, can we get some over on this side, please? Mark, would you and Robert come stand over here? We also want to remind you of our ministry bands down here for our campers and our, and our counselors. If you would come and grab those and lift them up in prayer. I love that a lady said, hey, I've got this little girl's name and I don't know how to pray for her. And I said, well, I don't even know her, but I, there's probably, she's probably going to be tired. So pray for her energy levels this week. But pray that she would get to know who Jesus is in a special way. So we want to encourage you to respond today. I simply want to share a blessing over you this morning as we leave. <clears throat> The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you his peace. Amen. You're dismissed.